Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. We are live. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is episode 7, and today I have the great and powerful, to steal Joe Rogan's line, <laughs> Brandon Trentham. Brandon has written a bunch of blogs for us on the wingman side of things. You, you see him in the, in the emails that we do in the uh, in our in our Wingbeats newsletter. You see Brandon featured in there. You can find his blogs on our website. And we're going to visit today a little bit about some of those blogs and what Brandon does, what makes Brandon Trentham tick. Brandon, how's it going, man? Todd, man, I'm I'm just super excited to be here. Um, we're just kind of rocking and rolling. You know, uh, if we'd have done this a few months ago, this would have felt weird, but feels like the whole world is online now, so this just kind of feels natural. I know. I know. And, and dude, we live under a rock out here in Wyoming, so we're still doing stuff the old-fashioned way with, like, handshakes and no masks. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You can come down to Oklahoma, and there'll be people putting for sale signs in your yard if you're like that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we don't – we never ran out of meat in the grocery store. Of course, most of us have freezers full of elk and right. – and, uh, ducks and geese anyway but um yeah it's i feel bad for the for everybody else around the country you know i've got some family that lives in in a major metropolitan area in louisville and man they're they're struggling yeah and, and they've struggled they've been struggling for a long time and it's it's living life there is ugly and it's not like that out here man i mean yeah people We've had we've been hurting for jobs. A lot of people lost their jobs, got laid off, and businesses have been impacted. And it's impacted the whole country. But man, not not we've been fortunate in comparison to other places. So yeah, but I agree with you. This this platform feels more net more and more natural all the time. No, <laughs> oh. so how's it going? You, everything good down there in Oklahoma? You guys ramping up for what do you got? What's your first season coming up? Well, everything everything's going pretty well. I was just pumped that we got to get our turkey season in this year. I yeah. know that it got kind of ske sketchy, and I think Nebraska and a few other places kind of shut it down, especially for out-of-staters, and we actually got to have uh, turkey season, which was great. doesn't mean I had any luck. I didn't kill a bird this year. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it uh, didn't matter, matter either way. It was more of the experience, so – uh, pretty stoked that we got to do that. Uh, our Oklahoma Wildlife Department did a great job kind of keeping everybody safe, but still allowing some sliver of normalcy. Um, as far as for the fall, it, everything's looking pretty normal for everything in-state. Uh, we're getting out. Uh, we've got some leases that are mainly watersheds and a couple of sloughs and a few fields. So we're able to get out and we're starting to work on keeping some dams good to go and keeping keeping our water under control so we're gearing up for what what feels kind of normal i guess for a season but i know we're gonna have we you know one of my favorite things for the outdoors is just being around people <laughs> i mean you could tell that right. from the way that i write like for me what i love about the outdoors is the actual like memories and the experiences and the friendships and um, you know, obviously killing birds makes those better. Um, but I'm just nervous that this year, like physically our preparation is normal, but I'm just nervous that this year is just going to be odd because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the rules are going to be at that point. So we're getting ready, but I don't know, man. Yeah. It's definitely got a different feel to it. Like I said, we're, we're pretty blessed out here in Wyoming. It's, it's pretty much a hands-off state and, but our same deal, man, we had, uh, we had turkey hunts planned for South Dakota, which we probably still could have done, but the, our kind of had a hit a snag there with, should we go? Should we not go? Uh, is it going to shut down? And it turned out in, in hindsight, we could have gone. Um, but we, we chose to stay close to home. Um, Montana, we had, um, we had, uh, the, the place we were going to be hunting in Montana, actually Montana ended up closing, but, uh, that hunt didn't work out when we had plans for Nebraska that got shut down. 
And so I had all these turkey hunts planned for 2020 and nothing. I ended up doing a general turkey tag. Thank God. Right. A general turkey tag here in the state of Wyoming in our home state. And we have some really good turkey hunting um, in select areas within the state and was able to get on some birds and, and get it done. Actually got a, we got a really cool video coming out. Um, it'll, we probably won't release it till right before Turkey season next year, but um, it's actually the intern. We, I took him with me and, and we got, we got a bird the first day, got on a, got on a gobbler within an hour of getting the tents. Cause we did a tent camp and all that stuff. And, and uh, bird, as we're setting up camp, this bird's gobbling down in this, down in this bottom of this drainage. And I looked at him and I was like, we're going to kill that bird. And he kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever. And we did, we snuck down in there, got set up and took about an hour and a half of sweet talk. But I finally got him over to me and got him killed on camera. And I was like, all right, now we need to build a story. And, uh, the story ended up being the intern's first bird and it took us, took us a day and a half, but we got it done. And, uh, it was cool. We laid down a lot of cool footage and I've got some dude, I've got some, some early morning footage. The morning he actually filled his tag. Um, we figured out the fly down out of this roost was over, over a big Canyon. And I was, I thought maybe they were pitching down on, on, on the, on the one side and they, they weren't, they were pitching all the way over the other side of the Canyon, which is a long ways. And so the next morning after we watched do it the first morning, we took a gamble and we went over and, and got underneath them in that spot and they flew right into our laps. I mean, they literally, I've got birds, the camera set up running and it's just barely light and the <laughs> birds start pitching down right in the camera frame at like 15, 20 yards. That's insane. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. We had two gobblers land and he couldn't get a crack at the first one because he there was some brush and stuff, but the second one he he put the hammer on. That was his first turkey ever, and so <laughs> that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a pretty cool story, no yeah, doubt. I but see that footage, yeah, it's gonna be pretty awesome. But it, I I'm with you because the, the social aspect of hunting is it's so vital to to wing shooting. I don't care if it's upland, if it's turkey, if it's waterfowl. Any form of wing shooting is social by nature. Absolutely. And that's what makes it. Because I don't know, we sp- out here in Wyoming, our, our seasons don't get, we don't really get birds until after our big game seasons are over. We have a few birds that are local that we can bust up with our, our first, we call it the first split. And it's kind of early. It's the closest thing we have to like an early teal season. And we do shoot a lot of teal and, and gaddies and, uh, uh, we do get some shovelers and, and of course there's mallards too, but, um, that season, those birds don't last. They're not around real long. And then the weather, we get some cold weather in October and they're gone, but our flights haven't shown up yet. We're still far enough South where our flights don't show up until, you know, late November into December, January, probably similar to you guys in Oklahoma, I'm guessing. Yeah, we, uh, we do, we have a September, resident goose and teal season and dude i mean almost obviously i'm playing it up a little bit but you can hardly tell the difference between a goose and a mosquito on those hunts it's awful <laughs> yeah, it's it's just really brutal those are some of those uh hunts where you just take your shirt off and you don't even care if they flare like it is just right. hot um and it's kind of the same way you know we get a few good shoots in and then those birds kind of bust up and move on and it's you know thanksgiving time before it really heats up here in oklahoma um but i mean we we get to hunt geese well on into february here so yeah uh, we get quite a few days out in the field and some good hunts cool yeah it's the same it's the exact same here it's the exact same way and uh so the cool thing about that is, is is we've got all our big game seasons you know obviously when you hear wyoming you think oh elk hunting mule deer hunting pronghorns you know we are known for our big game hunting and rightly so um but there's a little bit of wing shooting to be done here too in small select spots you know and i mean it's nothing it's nothing like some of the major flyway states you know you get over in the dakotas and obviously that's out of this world and things like that up north in Canada or some of the stuff, some of the stuff down South and the, some of the flights they get. Oh yeah. But, but it, it can be good. 
But the nice thing about it is, and I'm and I'm, I'm trying to dovetail back to the social aspect, is so much of big game hunting is quiet. It's intense. It's focused. It's you might only get one crack right. at a, at a bull elk that fall, and you got to be prepared to make that count. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's you and nature. It's it's solitude. It's solitude. Well, right or it's or it's you and one other guy or maybe another guy you know small groups um maybe some horses if you're fortunate um <laughs> but yeah, honestly i started taking we we've got so many grizzlies here that i started bringing my dog my mackinac who you see in yeah. the videos he's my bear dog he serves he serves double duty and and he actually last year on a, on an elk hunt in grizzly country he actually let us know that uh we had a bear and he got all growly and hackles up and tail all sickle tail you know real dominant pat aggressive and he he knows in the wind and you know and sure enough about 30 minutes later we had a bear walk literally almost right up to us Ooh. um but we were uh, we knew we were ready for it because we had the dog um so yeah, when you see him on those videos, he he serves. He's more than just a duck dog. He's a family dog, and he's a bear dog too, if you will. But uh, <laughs> that social aspect is so different because big game's so serious. It's so intense, and it's fun. And elk camp is a blast. But there's nothing like sitting in a duck blind or a goose pit or an a frame or layouts and just hooting and hollering and carrying on and just having a good time and being able to cut up, let loose. You know, if you screw one group of geese up, guess what? There's probably going to be two or three more. Yeah, absolutely. Nah. And I, I love how, I love how you, in your, in your blogs that you be, are able to capture some of that, you know, your first blog. And I'm going to let, I want you to talk about it a little bit, tell these guys, tell our listeners a little bit about, social how social media overhauled the outdoors um that's a great blog and again these blogs will be linked in the description for in this podcast you'll be able to check those out it'll link you back to the wingman webpage, and you'll be able to read them but brandon what was your impetus um what was your kind of your idea in writing and starting to write that because it's a really unique blog and it's it's done really well for us for for wingman and I tip my hat to you and I got to say thank you for letting us put that up. But what kind of tell us a little well, bit about the idea behind that? Well, thank you so much for the encouragement. Um, you know, for me, so like my real job, my day job, and I'm probably one of the least professional outdoorsmen you'll have on here. Uh, my day to day job uh, is, you know, I, I work at the church and I'm a student pastor. And cool. which is really cool because I get to invest in the lives of the next generation and I get to use what I love, uh, the outdoors to, to establish those <clears throat> connections with students and with families and dads. And, and it's a really cool opportunity. But, you know, I, uh, about two years ago, I just started really realizing how even in the, the church world, we've, we've kind of taken this negative approach to social media. And, and it's kind of like, a lot of what you hear about social media is how it has hurt us and how it has changed us, how we don't spend time with our kids and we're not good parents and we're bad husbands and, and all of these things because right. of social media. And that's actually what made me write that an article about how social media overhauled the outdoors. Because like for me, the social aspect of what we do in the blind and especially, you know, like you said, pursuing waterfowl and upland, uh, what we do is a part of who we are and a part of how we interact with others. And so I always try to use every hunting experience to get new people involved and to, to further that narrative of, you know, it's not just dead animals on social media. We're really trying to be better husbands, better fathers, you know, for the, for the ladies that get involved, better moms, you know, better sisters, wives, whatever. We really are trying to become better at who we were intended and created to be through our experiences in the outdoors. And and I wanted to write that article because, you know, I think social media can be one of our greatest tools in doing that. I don't think it's always a negative. I think we can leverage social media um, to further the narrative of what we try to do as outdoorsmen, which is just enjoy 
creation and bringing others along with us, just making memories. So that's kind of where I came from when I started writing that. Well, it's, I, <clears throat> I think you, you nailed it in that, in that article. I remember when I, when I read it to edit the article, it, it set me back on my heels a little bit because you're exactly right. I think that as a, as a society, as a culture, especially in hunting and, and anybody, anything that kind of deals with youth too. Yeah. It has it. We have a tendency to demonize social media. You know, you're spending too much time on your phone, put the phone down, pay attention to what's going on around you, which is true. But on the other hand, I think that it is a powerful tool. And right. I love, I loved in that article and, and in what you just said, how you capture, you know, if we don't, if we don't capture this younger generation, we don't get them hooked and loving this, it's going to go away. You know, we're only, a, we're only a generation or two from this being gone forever. If we're not careful, if we don't do a good job of passing it on and social media is a pretty powerful tool to help us create, like you said, build a narrative or create an image that's really positive and it looks like a lot of fun and you're right it's more than just piles and i love piles i mean For don't sure. get me wrong i don't know a waterfowler or a bird hunter that doesn't love a heavy strap and pot big piles at the end of the day but there's so much more to it you know and i i love seeing on the social media different social media accounts guys celebrating the moments celebrating the little moments whether it's cutting up and laughing in the blind or or, um, you know, you've, I'm looking at a picture right now of yours, one of your photographs there. It's, I'm not sure who it is. Somebody standing on top of a dog box in the back of a truck, taking a, <laughs> taking a picture of a, looks like a moment, you know, and oh yeah, that somebody's taking a picture of that. And it's like, that looks like fun. I want to be there. I, I wish I was there. And I think you're right. I think social media has the ability to portray that and to help tell that story so we look, so we get 10, 12, 13, 14 year old kids or even young adults and we get them and they go, man, that looks like a ball. Absolutely. I don't, I want to go do that. Absolutely. You know, I don't consider myself to be a golfer by any means. Like I'm totally the guy that you laugh at on the course that throws a putter into the pond. <laughs> but every time I go golfing, I just think about that with, with you know, that first tee box or whatever in front of the clubhouse you know, I'm wearing sick of pants and a sick of button up. I have no business being out there and I'm hacking on some eBay clubs. Right. And I'm going to swing as hard as I can and I'm going to send it two holes over, but I'm going to have a good time doing it. Well, at the clubhouse, you've got all those guys looking out and kind of scouring at you because you're not the next PGA pro. Well, right. What does that make me want to do? What makes me not want to go golf, right? Because I don't fit in, or I don't look like them, or or I'm not good enough, or whatever. And and it's kind of the same way with hunting. You know, if we're not careful, people aren't going to pick up our sport anymore. Because if we find ourselves scoffing at people, what you know, that could be. You know, I I hate those memes that you see going around this time of year where they're like, oh, everybody's coming out of the woodwork wanting to go on a hunt with me. You know, and they make fun of the people that want to go with you because you're good at it or that's what you do. I hate those memes because you should be celebrating that. It, you should be excited. You should be taking those people and teaching them how to get involved with the sport because the more we sit at the clubhouse and scoff, the, the worse our uh, public opinion of hunters and what we do is going to be. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, there's, there's such a, it's a balancing act between maintaining that tradition, right. you know, like this is how it's done. This is what we do and teaching that tradition with an allowance for innovation. You know, waterfowling today looks very, very different than waterfowling when I was a kid. Oh, you yeah. know, first of all, our gear is so much better than it used to be. But second of all, it was like waterfowling wasn't something that where I grew up, yeah, people shot ducks, but the really serious hardcore waterfowlers, man, they were like this little club of their own. And you had to like earn your way into that. And you didn't just break into it. And it was, I don't know, it was, they were, they were hardcore. I guess it's always kind of been a hardcore pursuit. I, 
use that word term loosely, I guess, but they were not as inclusive as, sure. as I think they we probably they probably should have been. But culturally, it was something that was much more expected. You know, you were if you were a young man in the area I grew up in in northern Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, you hunted. Absolutely, you hunted. I mean, that's just what you did. And if you didn't, it was kind of like, well, what's wrong with you? You know, that's not the case anymore. You know, a lot of people don't have access. They don't have um, the opportunities. And I think you're right. I think if we if we do stand back and and like you said, scoff or make it inaccessible, man, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, literally yeah. and figuratively. You know, and uh, I, I just I agree with what you're saying about social media can show that that other side that lighthearted side. I love the pictures that I see. I, I saw uh, an Instagram story last night and I don't remember who it was now. I wish I should have paid more attention, but I was just kind of thumbing through some stuff. And um, after my kids went to bed and this Instagram story came across and it was this dude cooking breakfast burritos in the duck blind. Oh yeah. And he had his little, you know, a lot, all, all, a lot of people do that. We, we do that a little bit, but, um, he had hauled out this, this like skillet is like a griddle and he was making sausage and eggs and then throwing it all in a tortilla. And dude, I'm looking at that going, what 12 year old kid wouldn't go for that? Absolutely. You mean I get to get a, eat a breakfast burrito out and while I'm, you know, that's the side of it that social media portrays so well. Absolutely. It's the memories. That's what makes the memories, you know, after you've killed, you know, you'll remember your first duck and you'll remember your first goose and you'll remember all that. But once you've got a few birds under your belt, what actually makes hunts memorable, you know, outside of another thing that social media provides our ability to scroll back through uh, backlogged hunts. Right. But take social media out of the game and the reason you remember hunts, the reason you have campfire stories are memories. They're cooking burritos. They're falling through the ice. They're chasing down a wounded whenever the dog wouldn't get it. You know, it's those stories where things don't go perfectly as planned that create those memories that bring us together as outdoorsmen and outdoors women, right? That's why we remember the trips. It's the experience. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's, it's funny, I, you know, in a, in my other life before all of this, I was an English, I was an English teacher, middle school, high school, English teacher. And I was, and I was a coach as well. And I remember a few years back before I became the editor here and we fired up wingmen and started doing all this fun stuff. Um, I remember reading a stat, social media was just getting to be a big deal. Instagram was just kind of brand new as an, in its infancy the people the 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 data said that people consume more written material in today's world than at any time in history now it's not novels and it's not necessarily great big books or scrolls but it's constant and if we think about the amount of data the amount of information that we are bombarded by on a daily basis yeah we we are the most literate red generation however whatever you want to say this 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 era ever there's never been a time when you've got more information both at your disposal and being jammed down your throat and i look at it's like i look at social media facebook Instagram, YouTube, as those are, those are the photo albums for today's generation. Those are the modern day photo albums. And it's, it's when I started looking at it in that light that I kind of changed my perspective. And I was like, yeah, actually that's really cool. Now, is there a lot of stuff on social media that I just shake my head at and go, come on. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'd, I'm done. Yes, there is. There is. It's like anything. You got to sift through the noise to find, you know, you got to, you got to separate the wheat from the chaff. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I tell you, but I tell you what, I do think you're spot on. I think we can use it as a cool tool, as a platform. 
not just to get kids hooked on it, but to celebrate our, to celebrate what we love. You know, how else are you going to, like you said, how else are you going to remember that epic retrieve that your dog did? You know, I, (laughs) I think back to last season and, and Mackinac had one of his better retrieves that he ever had on a, on a goose. And it was, it was, it was epic. I mean, it was, it was amazing. And we got it on video. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I put, I put it up and it's got, I don't know, 50,000, 60,000 views on Facebook. That's awesome. You know, and it's like people connected with it. They were, I was able to share that story and people were like, that's really cool. And if I wouldn't have had that, I wouldn't be able to share it, you know, and it would just be me and the couple guys that were there, the, the ones that would remember it, you know, anyway, I, I appreciate you writing these blogs. I appreciate you writing that blog in particular because it's, it's different, you know, it's, it's a different way of looking at things. And I think it's an important way of looking at social media because we can either embrace it and use it positively or we can you know be those guys standing at the clubhouse scoffing right but and the reality is is it's not going anywhere (laughs) no it's not going away no it's not going away so you might as well figure out a positive use for it right right yeah well one of the other things brandon i mean you're a great writer and you and you have been awesome to work with on the wingmen blog side of things writing but I know another one of your passions is photography. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with that. You know, what your you always have a camera in the blind with you? Because man, you take some pretty you take some pretty top notch next level photographs. Well, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know, if I were gonna be honest, the way it really started is so I've been married to my wife Eden for about five years now. And Honestly, and I told her whenever we were talking, you know, because I started dating her about six months before she knew I existed. And so once she finally figured <laughs> that I existed, I told her, I, I was like, you know, I'm going to do everything that I can That's to hilarious. love you and treat you right. But there's something different about waterfowl hunters. And I don't know how to explain it, but we're a different breed. And, uh, you know, she was pretty hard on me that first season. And she was like, you need to figure out if this is truly your passion. She's like, you need to figure out some way to leverage it into being more than just a hobby. And, and, and the reality is I would encourage everyone to do that as well. That doesn't mean that you have to try and make money off of it. But I think a lot of times we forget like the reason as men or even women, the reason that we like the outdoors is we get to really feel like we're challenging creation you know we really get to see how do we how do we find ourselves in the outdoors and how do we defeat it or how do we uh leverage deception so that we can have success right and it's more than just like a hobby like as if we're going out to golf or something it's it's our ability to be natural and to compete and so for me i really took that that calling that she kind of gave me and figured out, well, how can I make this more than my, you know, Saturday out with the boys? How can I leverage this for the uh, the natural drive and ambition that I feel each time I load up in the truck? And and for me, it was behind the lens and, and leveraging how can I tell the story so that other people can get involved, um, you know, and, and for me, that was capturing moments. And for me, that was capturing memories. And so... Uh, I got my first camera and I spent like probably four weeks just YouTubing uh, like what the buttons were. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, I had no, like there was like very, quite literally, I had zero photography knowledge or experience. Like the only camera I had ever worked before my first like trip to the field with a camera was like an iPhone at family gatherings. Like, I literally had never used a camera and I was just like, you know what? I should do this. <laughs> and, um, so I got my camera and I just started taking pictures And my first year. Those photographs were awful and I couldn't figure out how to tell a story. There was no emotion there. It was literally just like pile pick after pile pick and 
it was like, cool, I went on another hunt and killed this many ducks. And, and it wasn't an, a passion yet. And so I just stuck with it. And that's what I would encourage the listeners today. Like, whatever you decide to leverage in the outdoors, stick with it. You know, fly fishing or whatever. You know, tie your own flies or go buy a camera or practice calling. But whatever you do, stick with it because you're not going to be perfect overnight. And that's kind of been the story of my photography. I just fake it till you make it and keep trying to tell stories. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, well, you do a good job with it. It's, it's one of those things where I obviously fo we follow each other on social media and I get to see kind of what you do. And, and, uh, it's always, it's always interesting to see what story you're telling next, because for a guy that had to YouTube, how to use a camera, you do, you do a pretty darn good job these days. I tell you what, so well, thanks, you're, you're welcome to come up and hang out anytime with the wingman crew and take pictures and, and hunt. I tell you I what, but no, that's I, good, good for your wife to, you know, pressure you a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, how, how often in life do we not do something because we, there's nobody there to push us. And we don't necessarily see what maybe an outside perspective would be, you know, like, oh, well, yeah, I, I really like this, but it's just kind of what I do. And then somebody else comes along and goes, man, I think you should do, you should figure this out or do this or try this. And you try it and it's your next big thing. It's your next passion. Absolutely. I mean, it's so whenever fear is what drives us, you know, we're going to find ourselves hold up and and terrified to try anything. And so, you know, for me, it was my wife For other people, it's their parents or maybe a teacher, or I love that you were an English teacher because like there, obviously I love writing. And, and for me, my English teacher in ninth grade, um, was one of those people in my life too. And so I think that there are, there are different people that come into our life at different times to, point us into those directions and to challenge us. And so if you don't heed that call, you know, you miss these opportunities to, you know, I would have never gotten to meet you if I, if I wouldn't have listened to her, you know, and, and I'm thankful sure. for our friendship and, and all of that. And it's all a result of just being pushed a little bit. No, I, I completely agree. I had a saying and I still like to use it, but it was, I got to use it more when I was teaching and coaching, but it was nothing grows in a comfort zone. Oh yeah. Know? And it's, and it's, it's not an original saying of mine by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's so true. We grow the most as people in areas and places that where we're not comfortable. When we step outside of the known, we are forced to change. We are forced to adapt. And sometimes it, it works out great. Sometimes we fall flat on our face, but if we're doing it right, we're learning something from it. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't, I love, this is one of the reasons I love hunting new areas. I love hunting with new people because I learn. I try to, I try to learn something from every time I'm out, whether it's okay, the birds did this. Why did they do that? How can I adapt to take advantage of that behavior? Um, or man, I've never heard, I've never seen somebody set a goose spread quite like that. Absolutely. Um, guess what? I'm going to try that. And the first couple times I do it, it might, you know, it might not work at all or it might work, work, work out great. But the, I had the ability to step outside of my comfort zone and look and pay attention and see, you know, we, we just don't grow if we don't learn from those people around us, you know, and I don't know. I, I think that's really cool. So good for you that to take that call and, and learn how to do the, learn how to do the hard thing, you know, the, the photography and how amazing is it that you can learn how to get to where you are with a camera now, which I, I mean, you're, you're, you're very good at what you do with the, with the camera to be able to get there by watching YouTube videos. <laughs> right. And that's, and YouTube is social media too, you know, it yeah. all goes back to that blog, you know, like, and, and, you know, once again, man, anybody that hasn't read that blog, it, go read it because it seriously challenges you to think about how we use all of the tools that we have at our disposal. You know, like I think about like 
all the heavy hitters in the outdoor industry that we all look back to and and they were you know game changers in this industry and just think about the tools that they had versus the the uh, platform that we have today in the audience like just getting to meet you and and my friends like we network nationwide with outdoorsmen every single year on social media and that wasn't even a reality you know 20 years ago no 10 10 years ago man yeah. i mean there was facebook but no people didn't use facebook like they do today or mm -hmm. like they do instagram um you know and and, and there's then you got obviously you got twitter and TikTok, whether or not they'll make TikTok illegal, who knows? But uh, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's one of those things that the the networking is unbelievable. It's insane. It's 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 crazy. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you, and I get to follow along with what you guys are doing down in Oklahoma. And you know, same thing. I'm getting to talk to you know, I don't know, people down south and in different flyways and. I get to keep tabs on everything that's going on all across the country. And quite honestly, we're going to start on it. We're going to start in implementing something. I'm not going to spill too many beans, but we're going to use that networking here in the future, hopefully this year, um, a little differently and, and a little more effectively as season progresses to kind of keep tabs on some stuff and bring that to the readers and bring that to the social media audiences and, and the, you know, the folks that follow us, because having the ability to, you know, jump on a Skype call or listen to a podcast or just follow a social media account, it's crazy. It, it's absolutely crazy. And one of the things, there is a pitfall to it. And one of the things that I think we do need to be careful of with it is you start, you start looking in the mirror with it. Mm -hmm. You start comparing yourself to... Yeah you know, what guys over here are doing or what this person is doing. And one of the things that we have to remember with social media is it's snapshots. They're yep. moments, they're moments. And whether it's the Epic burrito in the duck blind or the pile pick or whatever it may be, it's just a snapshot. And if you keep that in mind, man, that's cool. Cause you get to share in those moments. But if you start comparing yourself and like you had a, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're struggling in your flyway or in your area and guys are posting pile picks left and right. And you're going, oh, and you start grumbling that can affect your mindset pretty, pretty bad. Absolutely. You, yeah. For example, you know, even in Oklahoma, um, you hear a lot about us being the best kept secret in waterfowl hunting. And I mean, if you watch some of these hunting shows and, and folks that come to Oklahoma, you're going to see these huge spins of little geese. And I mean, just these outrageous piles uh, and post after post, you know, tagging Oklahoma as this Mecca. And, you know, part of that's true. Like if you head out West, it is absolutely great. But my part of Oklahoma is not that part. And, and now I'm blessed with opportunities through, uh, some of the stuff we do with more than a calling and some of those guys to get to go hunt out West. But, um, my home base is the Eastern part, you know, Tulsa, of, um, in Oklahoma. And so a lot of our hunting is big geese and we do get a lot of mallards, but a lot of it's big geese. And if we put down 10 or 15, I mean, that's a pretty solid hunt. Right. And then if I'm sitting in the blind looking at some of those guys out West and they're having, you know, hundred bird plus days, it's really easy for us to forget why we're doing it. And it's really easy for us to compare. Uh, it's like, Oh, well my 10 big honkers uh, don't compete with those hundred little, you know, specs or whatever. And it does, you could all of a sudden get disappointed about one of your best hunts of the year. So right. you got to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those big spins of little geese that man alive. I growing up where I grew up, we would get little, we would get groups, flights of little geese. Um, mostly the, the geese, the little geese we saw were the small, small, small ones, the Hutchinsons. Yeah. The little, the little guys and taverners. And I mean, they're hardly any bigger than the Drake Mallard. Right. You know? And we wouldn't get big, big groups of them. They would be mixed in with big group, with groups of Canada's, you know, the 
not giants, but with the migrating Canada's out of Hudson Bay and James Bay, right out of Canada. And so we'd shoot, we'd usually kill half dozen or so a season. So it was always neat. And then to be able to watch what those guys in Western Oklahoma and in Texas and, and some of over in that area are doing on those big groups of little geese. Yeah. Whoa. It's that insane. Would, that would be insane. so much fun. <laughs> it is. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Hey, you said something a minute ago, and you're working on a project that I I personally find really to be really important. And it's something that, quite honestly, when, when I asked you to be on the podcast, I had intended to ask you about. And honestly, it slipped my mind until you mentioned it, and I'm, so I'm glad you did. But you're more than a calling project. <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. that is so cool. Um, and I kind of want you to tell us a little bit more about it because I'm not going to be the only person out there that thinks it's awesome. So tell us what tell us about more than a calling. For sure. Uh, so more than a calling, uh, I got hooked up with the founder of more than a calling. His name's Cody Goff, and I got hooked up with him a couple years back, and we had some some things in common and some beliefs in common, and and we had kind of both grown up in church, and uh, ultimately there are ways that we found that it felt like the church wasn't necessarily for us all the time. And maybe we were kind of the ones that stuck out, you know, not, not to toot my own horn, you know, but like you got the manly guys that are like killing things on the weekend. And it's hard to find a Sunday school class that's welcoming to that. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I've still got blood on my fingernails as I'm trying to find this book in the new Testament. And (laughs) <laughs> you know, no, you could you could pull into just about any church service in rural Wyoming in the fall, and there'll be a deer or an elk in the back of somebody's right truck. In. So a little different out here, but I'll I get it. you. I hear you, man. Yeah. Was, I hear you. And so I teamed up with him, and he had kind of started more than a calling, and and I kind of came alongside and got to write with him, and we got involved with a handful of really cool guys, and you know, within a few a uh, few years, we had reached like 10,000 followers on Instagram and it had kind of gotten pretty big and blown up. And we just kind of had a a trout fishing trip. It was actually my first time to fly fish, which was kind of fun. And we literally sat down and just tried to redefine. So what is more than a calling and what are we doing? Cause we've got this huge platform on social media and we're posting a few cool pictures, but you know, whose, whose lives are we impacting? How are we engaging people? How are we, you know, creating relationships. And so, um, and honestly, our answer was we weren't. And so we kind of reevaluated and figured out our goal is to make, you know, being a Christian or whatever, um, not super taboo in the outdoor industry, right? You know, it's how can you have church conversations or whatever in the blind and how can it, how do you not make it um, this like sissy thing, right? How do you make it cool? How do you make it something where we can talk about what God did in our life? And out of that, we birthed the project called The Flyby. And that's a weekly email, and and you can subscribe to that on the More Than a Calling website. And it's a weekly email with just a quick little spiritual insight uh, through the sport of waterfowl hunting. And we've got season two coming out this this hunting season. It'll be ready to to order, uh, hopefully in time to be a stocking stuffer. And it's just, it's really been a neat opportunity to work with some stellar dudes in the outdoor industry that are not only bettering the sport of waterfowl hunting, but they're also kind of, you know, pushing people to be better husbands, dads, you know, friends, and just really trying to impact our influence as outdoorsmen. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I will make sure that um, we put a link to more than a calling in down in the description as well. So if you, you got, if you're a Christian, you're a hunter, that's something that you should be checking out that you should be looking at because I, I think it's really cool and I applaud you guys for doing that. And if you're not, and you're curious, the link will be there, go check it out and uh, get a hold of Brandon Trentham. If you have any questions, he can, he can help you out. I mean, absolutely. I think there's, I do. I think that, um, you know, when I grew up, there was no problem with being a manly man in church. You know, it yeah. was, it was a little different and it's still that way in a lot of places in the country. But I think unfortunately 
um, that's a disservice to men, what the church, some of the stuff, some of the things that have happened in the church. Yeah. Um, we've stepped away from that. And I, I think it's, I think it's time that, that that's revisited. And I think it's time that the, the roles of males in the church of strong male leaders in the church needs to be, needs to be reexamined. They need to be stepping up and now more than ever. And I, so I think things like more than a calling are awesome. And, and I really, I really appreciate you guys doing that. But well, Brandon, what do you got on the docket for this year? I know you said that a few things are going to look different, but what hunts do you have coming up that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, so I spend most uh, weeks uh, hunting with Southern Flat Outdoors here in Oklahoma, and we're just right outside of Tulsa. So we kind of hit those business guys that maybe don't want to drive, you know, two and a half hours west and sure. and for those big spins. And so we've got a lot of cool uh, repeat clients that we get to just keep growing those relationships, watching their kids get older. You know, it's it's pretty cool just to see that uh, repeat each year. And then, um, with more than a calling, we go out to, uh, Falco, um, in Western Oklahoma every year. And I'm, I always look forward to that hunt. It's called purpose weekend. And, uh, that's going to be coming up in February. So we should get some cool footage. Hopefully we'll get some snow and get to put down some lessers in the snow that I'm dying for pictures in the snow because we don't (laughs) in Oklahoma. So, uh, that's what I'm praying for. So you guys can join, join me in praying for that. Um, and then, uh, you know, ultimately I'm looking forward to my wife has not been on a waterfowl hunt yet. She's been on, what? Some, I know, I know, I know. Uh, she's been on some dove hunts. She's, uh, she actually has killed a turkey. And, uh, this summer she went bow fishing for the first time and she smoked like the first fish she, she hit was a like a, little bitty needle nose gar so i mean like she's spot on uh you know she could she can shoot so i'm hoping to get her out she doesn't like the cold so i'm looking forward to getting her out maybe for that uh resident goose season we were talking about so honestly that's the hunt that i'm most excited about just getting to see her uh take part in what is so important uh, to me so that's probably my most uh the hunt that i'm looking forward to most for this season Cool. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to live in places where there's opportunity. You know, I, I think back on, on growing up and always had opportunity right out my back door to hunt ducks, geese, upland birds, you know, you name it. And it honestly, if that opportunity would not have existed, hunting, hunting would have looked a lot different. You know, um, I mean, my dad was an, was an avid hunter, my whole family hunts and fishes and so i mean there's no doubt i would have been i would have grown up with it but i don't think i would have had the love and the passion for it that i do if i couldn't have just walked out my back door i mean running a trap line as a kid and hunted ducks and geese literally in the in the agricultural fields right around my house and i think if uh i think if if i wouldn't have had that it would have looked a lot different so those local hunts that we get to do, man, I, I just, I still love those. I still love those. And I'm, we're fortunate here that we get to live in a place that we can do that same thing. And I can take my wife and my two little girls out. Uh, same, same thing. We had a, we did a hunt last year that I, I, we released a father's day podcast where a bunch of guys here in the office got all of our kids and three of us have uh, five-year-old girls. They're all the That's same awesome. age. And dude, there was more pink and purple in that in that goose blind that day, but it was uh, it was the best hunt of the season. And yeah, I mean we 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 quit early. We could have killed. I think there were six six. We could have killed a six man limit. Yeah, but we settled. We I think we stopped five or six shots because it was like we'd had enough. The kids were having a riot. It was a beautiful you know winter day that was actually warm, and best hunt of the year. So that oh, yeah. those hunts where you get family involved and they're local and man, those are, those are always fun to look forward to for sure. But. Absolutely. That was some of my favorite stuff last year was just coming home with birds. Uh, my daughter Aspen, she is three 
and she would just run out and hop into the bed of the truck and just start playing with them. You know, she awesome. just wanted to touch every feather. And I'll send you a picture uh, <laughs> later on because it's just so cute. You know, it's not – and it's funny. The photographs that I love are not always the highest quality. This is just a cell phone foggy um, picture. But, I mean, her just looking at the feathers, like, that's the memory in and of itself. So that's kind of what I love about watching our kids get involved. Yeah, I know. I hear you. It's, uh, I take them every year and it doesn't matter. Um, we all, I always manage to get them out and it seems like the more I get them out there, the more they love it and the more they want to go. So those things are important, but well, Brandon, I really appreciate you being on. I appreciate you sharing everything, you know, talking about being willing to talk about more than a calling with us. I, I appreciate you contributing to what we do here at Wingmen. And I look forward to continuing that relationship. And I've only got one question for you. All right. If you had to pick one, are you going to go with ducks or geese? I... And why? Oh, I got to go with greenheads. Uh, I've got to go. There's just something about mallards crashing through treetops into a slough that, like, I just can't help. I still giggle today every time <laughs> they walk up. So I got to say ducks, man. All right. All right. Nothing wrong with that. That's a question that you guys, you listeners, are going to hear me ask probably just about every single guest that we have um, because I think it's an interesting question, and I think it uh, – it helps show the the scope of North American waterfowling because there's so many opportunities. And so, Brandon, I appreciate your time, man, and I look forward to continuing to work with you on different projects with Wingman. And I look forward to seeing what you your social media exploits too, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much, Todd. It's been great to hang out. All right. Well, hey, guys, that's a wrap on Episode 7 with Brandon Trentham talking about more than a calling and social media and a million other things. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And stay tuned. We've got a lot more coming your way.